Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central only on PBS. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 170 of the No Encore Music Podcast, and this is the Dermot Kennedy episode. I've been chasing down Dermot for an interview in one form or another for what feels like about two years now, to the point that, quite honestly, I'd get a little bit irked when he'd pop up in our and talk to somebody else. That might sound a little bit conceited, but hear me out. I've been of the opinion that a lengthy chat with Dermot would result in a great interview, and that is precisely how this has turned out. I've caught him at a very interesting time in his life, as he's on the verge of becoming a genuine star. As you'll hear in this chat, he's a contemplative, honest guy with clear passion for his art and no apparent desire to court the trappings of fame. We talked about that and so much more. I won't spend too long teeing this one up because I do want to get to it pretty quickly, but I would like to say something first. What I've learned across the three years of producing and hosting this show, and I guess the past near decade of working as a music journalist, is that I love having genuine conversations with people, often just going in there and winging it. Like I have your press release and I know the timely important details, but what I really want to know more about is you as a person. In that regard, I greatly enjoyed getting to know Dermot a little bit, and I hope that you will as well. I have to shout out the great Lucy Foster as well, photographer extraordinaire. A couple of years ago, Lucy and I were chilling out in a hipster Dublin coffee shop, and she recommended this dude I'd never heard of by the name of Dermot Kennedy. I said I'd check him out, and of course I forgot to, before finally catching up properly a little bit later, and very quickly tuning into his frequencies from that point forward. As is so often the case with Lucy, she saw something before the rest of us did. Without further ceremony... Here is Dermot Kennedy in conversation on the No Encore Music Podcast. Maybe it's all down to the thought of her. Maybe it's all down to the loss we learned. Knew for a long time for all I wanted to run to you. What if I'm caught up and it's me or calling? How the hell are you, man? I feel like you probably haven't. I'm sure you have. I'm sure there have been pockets here and there, but it just feels like the last two years you haven't fucking stopped. No, I haven't stopped at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny one. And yeah, because you have to deal with people like your mom being like, would you not? Would you not take a break now? And it's like, well, I, yeah, I feel like you get kind of reconditioned to. to 
get guilty when you take more than two days as well too you know and you can kind of I mean you can see like we had a funny one I'm like jumping between things now but we had a funny one where we were in Australia because obviously that song Power Over Me has kind of like moved things on quite a bit and we we were in Australia doing gigs and then we went to Germany and then we went to New York all in the space of a week all doing like TV or festivals or gigs and I was like it just kind of struck me I was like this is mad like we literally cannot get around the planet quick enough trying to promote this fucking song you know what I mean and it's like it just yeah you're just chasing it constantly everything I hold dear resides in those eyes you got that power over me Got that power over me. I mean, that's an incredible lifestyle to try and just cultivate and develop, and for it to happen so fast as well. And obviously, you have a team around you, and even within mm. like within the band, you've got a team around you. But like, have yeah. there been days when you're just like, oh, not today, man? Um, yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, yeah, 100%. And and the thing that saves you when you feel like that on tour is that, I guess, everything revolves around the gig that night. And so it's always okay. Like, if you feel crap, you just give it... You've got an extra bit of fuel in the tank for the gig that night because you feel a bit more kind of pent up or something. And But yeah, when you don't feel up for it and then you've got a day of, like, going to radio stations and... and pretending to be super honest that's that's a killer yeah yeah like right now no 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 this doesn't count (laughs) i am talking to you though on the morning after the first night of four sold out olympia shows i mean it's probably a bit of a cliche but i presume hometown shows do hold a little bit of extra special thrill for you definitely yeah and it feels nice to i realized that like halfway through the gig last night it feels really nice to be comfortable on stage there because the last time we played there was like we had gone from Button Factory to the Olympia, so I was like, oh my God, this is like the biggest thing I've ever done. And I was really nervous and we got through it, but it kind of passed me by. So it feels good now to be kind of comfortable on that stage. Yeah. 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 And how do you find like the fans have been kind of just around the world, just kind of like growing with you? Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's different everywhere. Like America's amazing and everybody is so into it with you. And then you can play, like, we play Brussels and Cologne next week and like when you get to Germany and Belgium and stuff like that like everybody is like so super polite and it comes it brings you back to this place where you kind of you feel obliged to kind of be a bit more on it musically because it's not like San Diego in like a pub where there's like 600 people and you just like blast through it and it's a great <laughs> energy like you feel like you have to be kind of perfect because these people are like not drinking and they're just like watching yeah to just they're trying to be impressed so it's different everywhere but hometown is special yeah of course is that like a kind of a fear if you're on stage and you're trying like break the ice with a crowd but they're more of a reserved culturally kind of situation maybe yeah and then i think about the fact that even though like the vast majority of places you go in Europe everyone's English is brilliant but like i think about how lyrical my stuff is and how i've got certain songs and I don't do this often, but how I've got like one or two songs that will literally be like the same chords like the whole way through. And it ha- the reason it works is because of the lyrics. And so I'm like, am I like, is this to them just like total like soup, like <laughs> lyrically? And then they're just like, well, he's only playing the guitar. It's like, so I, I, yeah, I can't think about those things too often. People have forged really personal connections with your music though, with, mm. your, with your songs, with your lyrics. I mean, I'm sure you've probably seen some tattoos doing the rounds mm-hmm. at this stage. yeah. yeah. Does that ever stop getting weird? Um, Oh, yeah. It's this weird thing where it doesn't really sink in fully. Um, Yeah, but I I think that's my favorite thing about it, that I write these lyrics that kind of mean what they mean to me, and they're so personal to me and everything like that, and then I can to see like whatever it, like I'm always curious as to why someone would choose a certain lyric or a certain line and why like what it means to them. and, And I mean... I don't ask, but that is the most powerful thing to me, that it can mean something like so important to them that they would kind of put it on them forever, yeah. So you've never been, no, not that one. 
Yeah, yeah, but like, you know what that means, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've never done that, no. Uh, I guess, like, at this stage of your development, I mean, it has been kind of going song by song. Yeah. And each one of those has kind of opened up bigger doors. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, some very high-profile ones that have, that have been newsworthy have been the likes of Stephen Colbert mm-hmm. and Ellen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like even finding yourself on those stages in front of those crowds and with those people? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Colbert one was awesome because it's like, it's an old theater in New York mm. and they really don't give you a second. They're like, okay, so five, four, blah, blah. And then they're just like, all right. And then you start playing and that's it. So it's this lovely thing where you don't get a chance, but also because the theater, it does feel like a gig. It, and so you can kind of put yourself in that headspace. The Ellen one was quite intimidating mm-hmm. because you're on the stage. And <laughs> firstly, what happened was she was like running the dialogue while they're on an ad break but we're behind a big wall so I didn't know she was doing that so she was like coming up next we got Dermot Kennedy and I was like oh god this is it like and uh, which is fine but she just sounded so crazy disinterested and I was she was just like Dermot Kennedy coming up uh, he's from Ireland blah blah and I was like oh no this is that thing but I I then realized she was just practicing and uh, but yeah I didn't I didn't put myself in the right headspace during the rehearsals because we played to the open studio and it was obviously all the seats were empty and then but then the way you're introduced the doors open up and then everybody in the crowd stands up and they've been dancing for the whole show because that's her thing and so they're now forced to not dance for like four minutes and uh and it just felt like yeah i freaked out a little bit but it was okay <laughs> you got yeah. through it yeah it was okay um, yeah i mean if you can't do that yeah, I mean, but I guess like it's it must just be surreal to go from presumably like watching these shows or shows of that kind of nature a few years ago when you were busking yeah. and then being like, oh fuck, like I'm doing that, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny because like in the grand scheme of things, you're supposed to do those things at the right time and like, and so yeah, I guess. It, but you're exactly right. It is surreal, like, and not in the cheesy sense. You're just kind of like you go and do it, but it doesn't really sink in that you're on Ellen, yeah. Yeah, something that myself and Dahi, uh, having gone to a bunch of your shows, kind of have as a bit of a runner is, you know, as much as we enjoy you, and we mm-hmm. do, uh, we've got big man crushes on Michal Quinn. Sure, so does everybody. <laughs> there was a Michal chant last night in the Olympia. Uh, not started by Dahi, that's amazing. Like, yeah, that, that's usually what we're doing. Like, uh, yeah. he's he's quite charismatic. He's awesome. He's incredible, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> he's so good. He, uh, and everybody kind of warms to him. And I sometimes take it for granted that I have him with me on this journey because like obviously we went to college together and we've been played together for a long long time but like I can imagine if things start kind of kicking off for you as a singer songwriter there's so many scenarios where they'll be like alright your gigs are getting bigger so here's your band and here's your session musicians and just that's the way it is and you're separate and me and him starting this together um has meant that everything feels like a band. It feels way closer than that. And so to have him with me is like, is the most valuable thing you could have. Yeah, it's like, I I try not to take it for granted, yeah. And try to remind myself that if it had gone differently, it could be a scenario where like, I, you know, where I'm like totally disconnected from the band and that would be horrible. Yeah, which is, I think it, it raises its own interesting kind of position for you because, I mean, you presumably, obviously you can do this solo. Like, there are instances throughout the set where you would or perhaps even some bespoke shows that you might. Mm. But I guess having that band with you and just having that kind of camaraderie kind of running through must be beneficial just in the long run. It's huge, yeah. Like you were saying, when there's days where you're not feeling it, if there's like, yeah, and and we've got guys on our tour who would tell us of other tours they've worked on where on a day off in America, like... So many of those those days off are spent at like some random town where the only thing that's there is a shopping center and like an indoor skydiving thing. And it's like, (laughs) and there's been so many things where like we'll all gather together like at the earliest time and just hang out all day. And they've all told me that like on other tours, it's not like that, that people will go to their separate rooms and just do their own thing and they'll see you tomorrow at work. And so, yeah, we've got this really tight bond that I'm really lucky to have. Yeah, it's... and and so yeah i can imagine if there's days where you're not feeling so good and then you've got a day off in like amarillo and you're just sitting at scaldi hotel all day it's probably like not the best place to be have so you, to have, have you, friends there is the best yeah. have you done indoor skydiving no me and kieran did it um 
Have you? No, no Jesus yeah. Christ. It's no, it's just, supposed to be unreal. The sound I would of love it, it is, yeah. is quite terrifying. They said they took edibles and <laughs> and and they kicked in the second your man started explaining the safety thing. And so they were just staring at him, just completely confused. But uh, yeah, they said it was great. Yeah. So what does a Dermot Kennedy day off look like then? Always something like that. We try and find the stupidest thing, like go-karting, indoor skydiving. We were actually lucky. We've got a tour manager now who schedules it so we pass through places that are interesting but on the last tours it would be that it would just be like a stop off town that has a shopping center cinema always every time i look on the cinema on my own it's like my favorite thing to do it's the best i do it anytime i have a day off in any city that's what i do what have you seen lately that's been of note i went to advent to avengers in toronto at midnight And it was like 3D, and uh, so I had the glasses and everything, and I'd fallen asleep in the seat by myself. And uh, but it was very good. Yeah, saw that. Yeah, I I make I kind of like, and then people are always at me like, "Have you seen A Star Is Born?" or "Have you seen uh, Have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody?" And I haven't seen any of them because I I go to the cinema to not think about music. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, anything that isn't that is ideal. Yeah, so I guess you're not at the stage of like who would play me in the movie of my life just yet. Not at all. <laughs> no, yeah, no thanks. I could have told you about the long nights. How no one loves the birds that don't rise. So you can tell the heroes go high. My sense of wonder is just a little tired. But if only you could see yourself in my eyes. You'd see you shine, you shine I know you'd never leave me behind But I am lost this time Are we destined to burn or will we last the night? Uh, something I keep coming back to on the show and just even just from talking to people just through music journalism yeah. is kind of the idea of mental health and just kind right. of people kind of looking after themselves and keeping their upkeep mm. I mean obviously you mentioned you've got a tour manager which I assume would be would put structures in place for you sure um, do you find that like just the constant kind of pull of touring and going from show to show because something that kind of keeps coming up with a lot of people is that they say like it's getting to the stage it's getting to those 45 minutes or an hour every day that they get to have and that's their moment of release but sure. it just seems that there's an awful lot of waiting around or just kind of being in your own headspace so much while you're also going up there to kind of share your headspace yeah very cathartically very emotionally and I don't know I mean like like from doing it now like the way you've been doing it and just your general kind of personality type how are you yeah. finding it all um, yeah good but yeah like it, it does wear you out obviously and yeah again I guess it comes down to everything. So, like, having such a solid group within our touring crew is, like, is massively important, I think, because, it, yeah, it would be so easy to feel lonely doing this, you know? And and especially, like, hypothetically, in another scenario, it could be just me and the guitar doing this, you know? And so, in which case, I would be just alone all the time, and that would be weird, yeah. It's, uh, you need that group, and... And yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's like having that gig to kind of release is massively important, but also it's just, it takes its toll, you know, it's not necessarily the most healthy thing to go out and scream about everything and and think about like some of the worst things that have ever happened in your life uh, for like an hour and a half and then, and then you get on a bus and then, yeah, yeah, it's quite draining and, and there's times where there's times when it really does take your toll take a toll on you and and i've been i've been more conscious lately yeah there's just certain days where i won't like feel great and you don't necessarily recognize it and you have to kind of address it and be like oh no hang on like this life is really weird and like mm-hmm. this is like like the way this is set up is probably just making me feel this way today and it's all good because it'll be such and such tomorrow and 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 that kind of thing but yeah it's just certain feelings you might not recognize or like just feeling down and not being able to explain it and you have to just kind of remind yourself that it's definitely not a normal way of life and and yeah and and if you've got like a week left on tour and you're not feeling good you're like I'll be home in a week it'll be all good but um but yeah yeah so the I mean the gigs are a great way to kind of get everything out and and they certainly are cathartic at times but um yeah but you got to be conscious of the fact that you're kind of you're spending all day by yourself and then going to like the most sort of potent places in your mind, hopefully for a gig. So it's a lot. Yeah. In front of a lot of people. 
Yeah, who are all just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, like, what do you get from the crowds? Like, I mean, and it does it differ like wildly from place to place. Yeah, it does, and 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 even dynamically, our set is like up and down, and so last night was really cool because and my favorite nights are the nights where we play a song that's way up like say glory or whatever and everyone's with you and is like and you feel like i kind of end up in this space that i've never really been in before where i'm like playing these songs like i i used to not even want to play gigs where people were standing i always wanted it to be seated and this is years ago but like so for me to be playing a song like Gloria and for everybody to be kind of like like to feel the room move with you is is like something I never really expected but then we can also like take it down completely acoustic and, and everyone you just need everyone's attention so she's singing to me Gloria she's singing to me Gloria she's singing to me Gloria they found a letter that he wrote He said it's best off if we burn the page I wrote it very long ago So, I mean, yeah, I just... You get everything from them And so you ask a lot of a crowd, I guess Because it's not this one thing It's not like a Drake gig Where they're just on it all the time And it's not like a Ray LaMontagne thing Where you're just paying close attention It's just like undulating thing and um and so yeah I'm, i feel like i'm really lucky in that sense i think the main thing for me too is that is that like say with a song like power over me i waited ages to do that because i didn't want it to be a situation where people would be like kind of paying attention and then that song comes on they all go bananas and then leave and and so thankfully this like what happens at the shows is everybody's kind of with you for every song and everybody sings every song and that's hugely important to me yeah because i know of gigs where people wait for the hit and then it happens and then they're gone it's, oh 100 yeah i mean it's awful it's not great <laughs> no it must be terrible and and like as the artist you you like i'm not sure if other people do this but like you kind of you go back and forth a hundred times i mean i know i've i've like been songs that might have been a great idea because i'm kind of like nervous of doing the wrong thing and I don't want to discredit myself and, and everything like that and and so like you can I built up to releasing that song and I was like I hope that's okay like, I hope that's all good and, and like and so yeah if, if you had all these other songs that were like your passion projects and then you bring out that one and everyone is only on that one it must be heartbreaking yeah yeah I mean I guess the so called kind of contract between punter and musician is a strange one yeah yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it but it it comes down to everything. So like like if you take your time and eventually build a fan base off the music you love, you'll have rooms full of people who like you see Sigaross in like the Three Arena and and it's just dead quiet and everybody's into it and and then but if you kind of like try and take that shortcut and try and bring out songs to just like lowest common denominator like try and try and sort of latch on to people who are like kind of halfway music fans and just sort of love going to gigs then I feel like you'll like over time as things grow you'll kind of send yourself down the wrong path that's yeah. why I when I used to busk I like I was playing all covers and like of songs that I wasn't even necessarily into and I could see things like Facebook and Instagram growing like crazy and people were like oh I love this cover and like will you cover this and I was like this isn't what I want to be I was like I want to bring out like everybody that I'm gathering currently from doing this busking won't be into my stuff when I bring it out because it's so different and so I don't need that not that I don't need it but like I don't like I'd be doing myself a disservice by like building that fan base and it would make no sense and then and then two years down the line I could be in a room with people who only love when I do Ed Sheeran covers you know what I mean mm -hmm. and so you could build this thing that'll break your heart in the end yeah there was, a profile, so there was a profile on your recent that did bill you as, like, is this Ireland's answer to Ed Sheeran? Of course, Sheeran? yeah, that was GQ, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, how, did that, how did that go down when you read the headline? Ah, uh, yeah, I saw it briefly. It's grand. I get it, like, geez, but... 
No. No. <laughs> I do think you're in an interesting position, though, because you're writing these songs that are incredibly heartfelt, but also that you have to have a certain kind of mainstream appeal, I guess, if yeah. that's a fair term for it. Your gigs sell out in seconds. I yeah. mean, you've mentioned, like, going from smaller ones to bigger. And I, I saw you in the Button Factory. Mm-hmm. I saw you in the Olympia. I saw you in Vicar Street. And I saw you at Electric Picnic. Mm-hmm. And all four times, the crowd was bigger, and the crowd was really, really into it. Mm-hmm. However, and I have said this to you before, there, there is a strange disconnect that I've seen where, like, you kind of tell, like, a personal story at some point throughout the show. And you're kind of the audience are very restless, right? Because I don't know, I don't know what, what it is. Because like I've seen <clears throat> people at your gigs, I've seen like girls turn to each other and like with tears in their eyes, right. and because it's like that's their breakup song, that's their moment. Sure. But then you're trying to tell like a personal tale of your own for a second. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost like they're not with you. Right. And there can be disruption. Like, how do you find those moments? Oh, uh, who knows? I mean, there's nights where there's nights like last night where where people will be with you and and and. and We'll listen to everything like that, but yeah, I mean, we've got the in ears in too, so thankfully I'm not exposed to too much of that. But like, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, it just it varies wildly from night to night. Like we have Luca Fogali supporting us on this tour, and like, he's so good. And I had the speaker on in the dressing room in the Olympia last night, and I was listening to him play. And uh, <clears throat> but yeah, there's a lot of chat, mm. and it's like, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? How do you? And then I'm, I'm like, I'm also mega grateful that the gigs this week are like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, instead of like Friday and Saturday, because you, you, you notice like a noticeable difference. It's like people will be more on it and less kind of like focused. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it happens. It just does. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying, but um, I think it's a modern problem in terms of like, like it's a, you have a young audience as well. And like, I think it's less and less that you'll go to a show and it'll be like the way it should be. Yeah, yeah, always. I went to see Billie Eilish in London and right. in like an, in an Olympia-sized venue, so it was like, yeah. oh fuck, this is never gonna happen again. So this is right. a great thing to be to be seeing. But the second she came out and did her first song, like. It looked like it was rehearsed. It wasn't, but like the entire area in front of me, phones went up, right? In like as like a mosaic, like when Borussia yeah, Dortmund yeah. do that thing before a game, and it was so eerie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it kind of made sense in as much as she's seventeen, she's part of this new generation. Her fans are obviously very young. Yeah, but it's a really weird thing to just see it happen so kind of uh, like almost deathly. Yeah, 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 and I think about it quite a bit. I'm like, and I see people in the front row who now do this thing of like filming you the whole time, but they're also watching it because they want to watch it, I guess, but they also want to document it. And yeah, I, I think about this a lot and and like how it's so important to try and try your best to kind of make it be that type of show. And that's why I look up to people like Hosier and Bonnie Vera because you can see they give a shit about that kind of stuff as well and, and it's important to them and so yeah because if we and and it's it, it, like it, it comes down to absolutely every decision you make like if you're writing lyrics and you're like ah oh, that works and that's probably catchy you take a tiny step towards that room of people who don't care and but if you like yeah if you kind of like stay on it and make sure it's special and, and all that kind of stuff you just slowly try and Try and fill a room with people who who are completely into it, yeah. And your heart hurts stays like they are the antidote. If you think just maybe it's her, then promise me, young man, you're gonna let her know. This room we played in Seattle, the Paramount Theater, it was huge and super palatial, and you could just, I don't know, like, you could just tell that people were going to just be quiet from start to finish, and uh, which is really rare, because, yeah, generally, yeah. like, generally I'm content if people are quiet, like, throughout the songs, and then I get that they turn and chat to each other during the thing, but, yeah, yeah, if you're trying to tell a story and you can hear them chatting, I mean... What can you do, yeah? Yeah, I've made my peace with it. <laughs> uh, you're not going to do like a Damien Rice and stop the gig? No, no, <laughs> no. I've thought about that a few times. Nah, can't. It's a funny one because like, there was actually the other night, this is quite relevant, because the other night we played in Manchester and we played the Albert Hall and it's got this big wraparound like second level 
and where it's this thing where people aren't sure whether they should sit or stand and so it's kind of half and half and and the whole gig I could see this girl that was like leaning out over the railings like two pints in her hand like completely on it and uh, and just like was having a great time but at the expense of everybody around her and uh, and I could see this guy the whole time trying to just like like lean around to watch the gig and it was just wrecking it for so many people and so at one stage I just kind of said to her like hey, like please take it easy and uh, and because even security had tried to talk to her and everything and, and she just would not leave and was like aggressive and all that stuff and I was like yeah and in the end there, she, her and her boyfriend were squatted out but like oof yeah but and then and then but it's a tricky one because you're like well they paid to be here so I don't want to be that guy who's like super like super hardcore in terms of like kicking people out and because you instantly could become the asshole right if you're like pay attention to me and you have to like do all that and and I could see even when security I was playing a song and I could see security talking to her and she was like well, what about them over there and there was two other people dancing as well but they just were less aggro or something and uh, so she was kicked out in the end yeah, but as your mid song Jesus yeah but it's just I mean we have I think we have to we have to decide like like if art's gonna be important going forward like they're has to be like the guy sitting behind her who paid who literally just wants to watch and is into the songs deserves better than that you know and like yeah I was raging that I even left it that late to do it because they only got like two songs with mm. unobstructed vision yeah yeah. Uh, like in terms of vibe I saw the Antlers in the Sugar Club recently they're right. doing an acoustic 10 year anniversary of the Hospice album mm-hmm. and that was we were standing in the wings because there was just nowhere else to be but like during the entire show I, I, did, I was afraid to even look at my phone to see what time it was. Mm. There was no, like, it, you could tell it was there was an unspoken thing in the room mm. of, like, don't take a photo, don't, like, chat to your mate. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow, it can happen. Like, it can, it can be happen. a thing, yeah. It can, yeah, yeah. And it has happened for me a few times, and, and then there's times where it's difficult, generally on Saturdays, to be honest, but, like... Yeah, it varies. It just varies completely. You yeah. mentioned kind of like writing songs to kind of which would take you into a different room, to a different kind of demographic or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting that you're able to still put out songs like Fry and Fires and Family mm. and do that video, uh, yeah. which was fucking gorgeous, man. Nice one. Uh, so so well put together, and it still gets that attention. Like it didn't feel like because that's not a traditional single, I guess. Not at all. But no. people seem to really take their own kind of mm. stuff with it. Yeah, it's. I think it's hugely important to me, and like. Yeah, I mean to do, to do, like a song like "Power Over Me" for me, like I was like freaking out over it, and I was like, "This will be okay," I think. And then like, yeah, it it, it has done crazy things for me. Like we wouldn't have gone near the Ellen Show, we wouldn't have gone near Colbert, all that stuff. And not that that's what you should shoot for, but it's just it is true. And and then so to then bring a song out like "Lost" after that, which is just a song where I'm completely in love with it, and I don't care what happens to it, and that stuff is massive to me yeah but also i mean like i'm at the very beginning too you know what i mean like you even look at ben howard it's like all the singles he had in his first album and then like he doesn't play anymore yeah 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 yeah. aggressively so (laughs) yeah yeah. and uh but how second and third album he got to just kind of like do his own thing you know you do i think you have to earn that freedom i do yeah and how much that comes down to you kind of being not, not necessarily stubborn but just being like, look, I believe in my vision. You need to do it too. Yeah, I, th- I think obviously that's hugely important. But I think there's also a lot of room for your own kind of for getting in your own way too. And there's certain songs where I'll overanalyze it to the point of like binning it, and it'll be a shame because it could have been great, and and no one would have questioned anybody's integrity over it. And but. I'll get paranoid over like one lyric and I'll be like that can't be it because I'm not trying to be that guy who's like just doing like easy stuff and uh, and so sometimes you can end up throwing out songs that could potentially have taken you to the moon yeah but who knows I mean you just do your best there's so many songs floating around and you just like yeah it gets to a point where like I actually I was watching Drake's interview with Zane Lowe the other day and what he said was he was talking about future and apparently like if someone's loading a song like a session to work on in Pro Tools and he'll be like how long is that going to take and they'll say 15 minutes and he was like alright well give me the other one that we were working on so I can do that for 15 minutes and apparently he just does not stop and uh, and 
what Drake was saying was that he just has this like confidence that he's just like whatever comes out of me is like worthwhile and I just I'll, he doesn't second guess anything he does how do you feel about that release strategy though like he does it Ariana Grande does it a lot of kind of the, the, the big the biggest pop artists at the moment are doing this where to me it feels like oversaturation where mm-hmm. even if I like the artist like an Ariana Grande I'm, I'm just kind of like I'm so fucking sick of this like it's everywhere it's constant yeah, yeah, yeah. and it feels almost cynical in a way like it's just to rack up streams or whatever but like yeah. I just wonder if we're, we're getting to the stage where we're losing artistry you know, over kind of commercial viability. And you understand oh, totally. what they do, what they do, but it's depressing. Yeah, but it's mad now too, this thing of like, like, speaking about like saturation in general, not even just like relative to those, to those artists, it's like, there's so much music all the time now. Like anytime I bring anything out, I'm on a Friday, I'm like, oh my God, there's like 20 other people who are like much bigger than me bringing out music as well. And, will it hit? Yeah, but like also, you s- like, it's this thing of like like if a song is amazing like is there anything we're gonna like really remember you know like like say even Maggie Rogers when she brought out uh, that song Alaska um, no the one uh, Light On I think it's called and and the video is beautiful and it's this beautiful song and I was like this could be like timeless it really could like this is potentially and I'm not saying like it's the best song of all time, but I'm like this vibe and her as an artist and everything she is and like this song at this moment could be like a timeless thing, but it probably won't be because we're like, ah, oh, next Friday. Like, 100%. Pr- yeah. And so we were talking about it on the tour bus recently and we were like, is there anything that kind of hits the way stuff used to? Like, like is to pimp a butterfly maybe like a moment and that's an example of like something that'll last. But like, yeah, stuff is just constantly coming out. It's a killer, yeah. <laughs> That I'm sorry And oh, You couldn't tell me enough That you love me But she's bringing the moon and stars to me Damn permanent reverie Maggie Rogers is a great example because we reviewed her album. It's the first album we reviewed this year. Right. And I saw her in the Academy, yeah. a gig that was completely ruined by chatter. Right. To the point where I was just like looking at people around me and I was like, why the fuck are you here? Yeah. Like, and again, that was like, she was amazing. Like, hell yeah, of a yeah. show, great band. She's mm. deadly. Um, but yeah, it was just, I, was, I was in the wrong, I was close to the bar. It was, it was a mess. But yeah, like that song, like Light On, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And she's done some great live performances of it too, even on like talk shows and stuff. But yeah, like everything you said there, I'm like, my God, I haven't gone back to the album. I haven't gone back and listened to it. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. I think, yeah, I don't know what was different, like how things will be different, like, like 20 years ago and in such a way that that wouldn't happen. Is it just like less releases and like, yeah. I guess it's so competitive now and everything and like everyone's touring constantly and everyone's releasing music constantly and even like a good example is when I went to New York for two months to put the album together and like about like five or six times I had to leave to go and like I went to the Brits of all things and I went to like I went to certain things because you can't vanish for two months it's crazy it's like it's so competitive how'd you find the Brits watching it on TV it felt very like just bleh yeah it's weird I mean you just sit there for a bit and then but the thing of like where you pull up in the car and you get out and everyone screams I'm like yeah, I'd never done that before. But is that what you want your life to be? No, no, definitely not. No. <laughs> yeah, because like, like you strike me as like, are you a private person? Yeah, be? for sure. Yeah, yeah. How have yeah. you been holding that together? Well, it's grand. I mean, like nothing is too crazy at all, and I'm kind of on the move so much that nothing really sinks in too, which is kind of cool. But um, yeah, I, I worry about it sometimes. I was, th- I was like, I was writing with a guy who's like Sean Mendes' main guy to write with, and and he was talking about when he's in Toronto and he was, I was like can he go like just go to the shop like at night if he needs something and he was like he'd probably need security every time and so you have to call upon security even if you just want to go for a walk so like stuff like that does scare me and I never want to take it there so we'll see yeah totally. not. I read like an old interview you did and in the interview you said that you were in love 
Right. And even that felt like a confession almost. Like it was like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's this weird thing, isn't it? Where you try and keep everything mm-hmm. secret. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to like disclose everything. Yeah, you're trying to have like an, a quote unquote normal life while also. Yeah, 100%. You try and like, yeah, I think you should put out into the world whatever you make, but yeah, you don't need to kind of give that to anybody. Yeah, here's my social media details. Oh, <laughs> mad. Yeah, yeah. I think about that quite a bit. That's That's probably like, that's probably like, that can be a massive source of kind of like anxiety and unrest if you're like trying to figure out like, you're looking at your peers and the people you're competing with essentially and you're like oh shit like they're growing like crazy because they do the whole like selfie video every day every morning all day thing and mm-hmm. so people love it and they're like I know this person but I just I'm not willing to do it no. you don't strike me as that guy no I can't do it <laughs> I did a thing I did a Radio 1 thing in, uh, in the BBC and I did a Q&A afterwards and someone was like holding the phone in my face and I was like and and then the thing is, people are commenting, being like, "Oh, you look really like sweaty," and it's like, "Of course I do." It's like I hate this, <laughs> you know. This isn't glamour. No, and it's uh, and it's like I just I don't know how people can be comfortable doing that stuff. Yeah, That's but right. I'm getting to a point now too where people ask, and I'm just like, "No, I'm not doing that." And and thankfully, the music is working in such a way that I can get away with being like, "I don't need that promotion." Like, just leave me to do my thing. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned kind of like kind of albums kind of leave a mark and in the same interview that I read if you, you actually shouted out Overhead the Albatross mm. Learning to Grow just turned three this week wow and I was like fuck that was three years ago I love that band so yeah, much yeah man. oh man I love seeing them so much I remember I saw them on Patrick's Day and the Workman's yeah it's just it's it's a really powerful thing too because like I think about that a lot it's like lyrically I try and affect people which is great but also, it's it, in a way, it's quite cut and dry. It's like if I sing a certain line, and then there's like a guy in Texas who feels a certain way about it, and, and it relates to his life in a certain way. But when you see a band like Overhead and like or bands like Explosions in the Sky and stuff, and you watch them play, and certain notes can make you feel a similar thing, it's like, mm. what's that? That's like a magic thing, yeah, you know. And so I've thought about that quite a bit, and so that's that's why to me obviously the lyrics are important but um, I think whatever way you arrange your music is hugely important too because there could be people at gigs who feel the lyrics feeling based purely off the music you know Yeah. so um, both sides are massively important Explosions were one of my first proper deep musical loves like I've seen them live about four or five times and it's like a religious experience every time Yeah. there's just something there that some alchemy that doesn't seem to yeah but isn't it mad yeah and it'll build for ages and then it'll just go to like a new chord and you just you feel something and you're like that's mad that is literally magic like because with the lyrics thing it's like oh those words make me feel that way because I think of my fucking granny whatever it is and then like but with the music yeah you just you can't explain that and like we went to see john hopkins at coachella both weekends and uh yeah again it's just this weird thing that happens to your body yeah it's mad yeah that john hopkins album from last year is absolutely stunning yeah, yeah, yeah i was gonna actually ask you i mean like whether it's a gig or whether it's an album or something else in in art like what has moved you recently um or do you have ones that you just keep going back to yeah always uh hang on i'm gonna think like I was watching a thing recently about when Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles mm. and how he like there was something he took two three fro- free throws with like a torn Achilles and just like that kind of drive is like crazy important to me and, and, and the way like the Lakers had signed a new guy one time and he showed up at 7am for practice that was at 9am but Kobe Bryant had already been there for two hours and so like so yeah things like fucking coach carter give me that feeling <laughs> like because i think it's the coolest thing ever and the way his whole deal in coach carter is like is like to be champions but also to kind of carry yourself properly like he hated whenever they scored and then would celebrate in front of the other team he's like scoring's enough and you gotta have like class with the way you do it so like yeah i mean i always find that hard to explain and i, I remember in in meetings with labels and stuff they'd be like who inspires you and i'd be like like LeBron James like you know like people who like like that's really difficult what they do you know what I mean like obviously it's two separate worlds but it kind of is and it isn't it's like obviously musicians get the kudos because you kind of like you'd lay your whole being on the line and then you give everything but like yes like the way someone like LeBron James can like handle that pressure and like when there's like 
10 seconds left and and the confidence to be like I'm still the guy like give me the ball and and that everything is constantly on the line for people like that I think that's really impressive no I think you've touched on something there there's there's a drug in that whether it's sports you know even like even like pro wrestling when they kind of tell a story that way crazy there's something that you can just actually tap into something that's kind of like legitimately larger than life and superhuman yeah yeah I mean yeah I mean don't get me kind of started on the whole Conor McGregor thing but I remember when he was like flying and he was winning things um, there was I can't remember what poem it was but there was something it was like a voiceover to a video of his and uh, and I think one of the lines was like who are you to decide about like how incredible a life should be and and so I just I'm amazed by people like that who just don't stop and just have that ambition and like yeah that's I think that's why I kind of I kind of love idolizing like hip-hop artists so much i saw a jay-z interview last week and he said his uncle was always at him saying like you could never sell a million records and and he had this thing where he was like no you could never do it he's like of course i could do it and he's like he just yeah and and to kind of i don't know it's just that's why i mean i don't think it's any surprise that hip-hop artists hang out with like basketball players and and all that stuff because it's a similar drive it's a similar ambition it's a similar desire to kind of like just take it to the next level and it's not like a like success thing it's just like you want to be great and I think that's incredible and that's ingrained in you it seems uh, I mean I don't know yeah and then it kind of messes with me because I'm like how far can I take that like playing the guitar (laughs) but but that's why I love sports so much but but yeah I kind of I I just think there's something so special about that and when you when you kind of like like great moments like one of my favorite things actually that's probably like we've been talking for like five minutes about it now but like if I could answer what inspired me lately was that Senna movie have you seen that? yeah yeah and like like that thing in the Monaco race where he was way ahead of everybody and even after that he drove like the fastest laps he's ever driven because he was like way ahead like the race was a done thing he had won it but he like pushed harder than he'd ever pushed to get like this ridiculous margin and and all the other drivers were like scared of him because he'd try things that they wouldn't try and he was essentially like just like a liability because he was so sort of like focused to try and get that I think that's crazy yeah I guess lastly uh, what can you tell me about the album or can you tell <laughs> me about the album <laughs> I can yeah I mean yeah uh, like it's important to me because what's massively important to me is when I'm done to be able to look back and kind of see these sort of moments in time. And I don't want to be like, Oh, there's my Spotify with like 600 singles. I want to <laughs> like, I want to be able to be like, there's my bunch of albums. Hosier is cool for that. I think, cause it's like album album and like Kendrick again, is just like, it's this lovely, like it's this lovely thing of like when he looks back and sees the impact he made culturally and on music is like, you'd be able to literally be like, that was that moment in time and that one. So that's why it's massively important to me yeah but yeah it's a funny one too like it can mess with your head I'm like I'm gonna do my best but also like we were talking about it's like how important is it really you know what I mean like it'll come out and then another album will come out the next week and all that kind of stuff so it's massively important for me obviously but but yeah you gotta kinda it's I just feel like this whole industry is changing constantly so so who knows but yeah I'm, I'm yeah I'm really happy with everything that's kind of like in the conversation for it and yeah I'm, I'm like balancing that thing of totally being like gratuitous and putting whatever I want on it versus things that maybe like should be on there if I want to kind of continue on a trajectory and stuff and then but also if you want to do that you got to continue down that road but also you can't compromise and you can't open yourself up to like eventually playing tours to people who don't care about good music and you know yeah and uh, the release date is either I'm hoping September alright <clears throat> yeah not hoping it's not like up in the air it's a, it, like that's what I'm shooting for yeah. I can't believe you told me excellent <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I'll tell you anything I don't care <laughs> Jeremy Gandhi thank you so much man. Nice one. chaos and art and how you never try to keep them apart I wrote some words and then I stared at my feet Became a coward when I needed to speak I guess love took on a different kind of meaning for me So when I go, just know it kills me to leave To all the stars that light the road Don't ever leave that girl so cold Never let me down, just lead me home 
That was Dermot Kennedy in full effect. Honestly, it's one of my favorite interviews that I've ever been a part of, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Shouts to Dermot for taking the time and for being himself. His debut album, Without Fear, lands on the 27th of September, and he plays his biggest hometown show to date at Dublin's 3 Arena on December the 22nd. If you'd like to read a long-form version of this interview, complete with fantastic imagery courtesy of Lucy Foster, Christian Tierney, and Brendan Canty, look up The Power and Glory of Dermot Kennedy over on joe.ie, or hit up my Twitter account at Henry Dave for the link. Back to our regularly scheduled programming in a couple of days' time. For now, my name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And that was Dermot Kennedy. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.